0: Thank you so much for being here today to talk about cycle syncing. Um, obviously this is a, a really important episode because there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people are kind of saying cycle syncing is complete BS and there's absolutely nothing to it which I find quite probably disempowering considering the majority of my female clients do experience big fluctuations across their cycle but on the other end of the spectrum you're hearing people talk about these quite extreme claims um, which aren't always backed up either so I thought who better to bring on than yourself to talk us through kind of um, your thesis on the menstrual cycle and your experience with cycle syncing so yeah thank you so much for, for being here today and just let's just start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself your background and how you got into this research.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me and yeah so I kind of got into this whole research just truly because of interest because um so I started off doing a biochemist, biochemical undergraduate degree and then I went into more like a business side of it because I realized I don't really want to be in the lab and so I did a biosense entrepreneurship course master's course at UCL which kind of taught me how a little bit more about startup life. And so I started interning at two different startups and they were both in femtech so like female health and that sort of related uh, area. And this is just because um, I started going to also networking events at the beginning of the year and I realised that this is such a cool place to be in and I also wanted to be an embryologist at one point so I thought like it, it's good to like learn more about it. So I went into the two startups and with them I kind of experienced more like what is it like to be in a startup and one of them was specifically made for uh, personalized nutrition for women based yeah. on menstrual cycle cool. which is actually I chose them because I wanted to do my thesis about it and so I did and I was interning with them and I was doing research for them and that's kind of how I got more into cycle thinking but looking back now it makes sense like everything just makes sense because I had some um like obviously when I was um Mainly during lockdown, I really, really got into fitness. And I realised that every now and then I would have, like, no energy and I would still push myself and I would push myself to the limit. Sometimes I would be crying but doing my burpees.
0: Really? You <laughs> yeah. went that far?
1: Exactly, because I was like, oh, I need to do it. Like, I, I had this goal in my head that, like, obviously, because we had nothing to do, I would want to, like, burn 500 calories every day. And so I was making sure that, like, I would do it. So, like, every now and then I would do it, like, a 10pm. It probably wasn't healthy, But, um, yeah, I really pushed myself. And looking back now, it kind of makes sense why, like, on days it would be, like, harder than other days. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: And then that was kind of gave you the interest into looking into that a little bit more just from your own experience.
1: Exactly. So when I started digging, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really cool. And then I digged further and further in.
0: I think something you said to me was it was it the, the the first degree you did the biochemistry degree like how that kind of had nothing about the menstrual cycle in it like there was no yes. that, that you know yeah that didn't cover any of that did it which I found really interesting
1: yes I mean biochemistry is very much like molecular mm. so we learned a, a lot about proteins and protein foldings and amino acids and and molecular stuff as well but and genetics but not so much about bigger things like reproductive system and also it's because of um i didn't choose any sort of modules related to it i'm choosing like modules more like in drug discovery which is also super interesting now like looking into um the startups as well that are like doing like super cool drug discovery stuff like for example day who's doing like cbd tampons just because like there's so many receptors in that area where you like yeah so it's super interesting yeah like i kind of have an understanding of that as well but yeah i didn't do any sort of reproductive system
0: yeah it's like obviously excuse my my ignorance in terms of obviously it wasn't Yeah, i haven't studied this either so the reason i think that's really interesting is that, that when we're talking about like genetics and all of these other considerations that you did study obviously some of those are different in women between guys but so many drugs are tested On men and not in women even though they're also prescribed to women Um, and that to me is still kind of a little bit a little bit mind-blowing so yeah I mean I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and like kind of what that landscape looks like and why. I
1: find it super frustrating I actually didn't know because we didn't learn about it so I only started knowing about it when I did my research for my thesis and I was like oh wow like this is super frustrating and I need to do something about it which is kind of like also why I went into VC because um then i would have like more of an overview of like the startups and i could help more to grow um especially towards like this area as well and i find it super frustrating i think there's like obviously there are things that people now doing and realizing that is super interesting and like like good to look into and like it is necessary and closing that like gender gap but yeah i i personally find it super frustrating, frustrating. and yeah. there's like still so many things to do like for example contraceptive peers as well like they are like overdosing women <laughs> Yeah. I like all of these other drugs as well. He's not.
0: No I think that that's obviously a whole different rabbit rabbit hole that we could go down but before we kind of bring some of those things full circle in terms of like your background and how that ties into like cycle syncing and understanding the menstrual cycle and, and correlating things to the cycle um, we should probably get a few definitions on the board so what is a healthy menstrual cycle um, what's not a healthy menstrual cycle and who who doesn't have one because I think one thing with cycle syncing is a lot of people will say oh it didn't work for me but then actually you hear that they are on hormonal birth control or, or whatever. And it's like, okay, well you technically don't have a cycle. So yeah, okay, let's okay. just get a few, a few definitions on the board if that's okay.
1: Okay. So a menstrual cycle is the, the monthly um, reoccurrence of bleeding, which is caused because of the um, hormone levels of like go down and therefore uh, they trigger your endometrial cells or like just the room blinding basically to, to shed and therefore you bleed. And this occurs in a healthy cases every month and usually the menstrual cycle lasts for about like 21 to 35 days but the average is like 28 days but obviously like it depends on everyone so like everyone is different and it's probably not normal if you have a menstrual cycle like every 40 days <laughs> so then probably maybe you should go <laughs> and see a gp um yeah or or if you don't have any sort of menstrual cycle that's not good either and as you mentioned like cycle syncing is not good for people who don't necessarily have like a healthy cycle for example they are under birth control because that's not really um the menstrual cycle that you naturally have
0: yeah no perfect so when we are talking about cycle syncing what would what would you kind of define cycle syncing as
1: so cycle syncing is more like when you Look at your menstrual cycle and gain an understanding of what phase you are in. And based on that, then you kind of try to eat and exercise in a way that would complement it.
0: Yeah, perfect. Which to me sounds like good advice. As I said earlier, like I've got loads of clients that notice quite big fluctuations. Of course, it can go too far the other way. Um, you know, it can become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, oh, I'm going to feel rubbish today before you even decide how you actually <laughs> feel. So of course it can go too far, but I generally think that a little bit of education and some cycle tracking and potentially aligning and changing some things is, generally speaking, that's quite an empowering message in, in my experience. And having worked with a few hundred female clients now, like they 80% of them plus notice some form of fairly big fluctuation so why would you say that cycle syncing has kind of got a little bit of a bad rap from some some people then
1: I think it's because everyone thinks that it's the same for everyone so like if you're in your follicular phase then you should feel in this way or if you're ovulating like you have to feel energetic and and you should do this and you should do hit and go for a run but like it's not always like that simple because there's so many like we're not just robots who have like these things going on like we have so many other things that can influence our energy levels or how we feel um and all of these other circumstances are like in our lives like it is really super hard to just say like make it into black and white because we're not black and white (laughs) and probably that's why because if people saying like you should do this or you should do that and just that like it's not really going to work
0: how can people kind of find out that individuality for themselves? Then, if it's not black and white, like on day X, then Y happens. If that's not the case, then how can people kind of track that cycle and start learning about these things for themselves?
1: Kind of, I think the best method, to be honest, is um, measuring your body temperature. I haven't started it yet, to be honest, uh, but because I, I just recently got into it, as I mentioned, and um, this is this is definitely something I want to start because I think that's the best. Um, like kind of tell of like where you are in your cycle and it just kind of explains of like sometimes if you feel a bit rubbish then you can like look at it and you're like oh okay no I understand like it might be because of like work as well because it's like stressful but it also probably because of my um I don't know my estrogen levels are a bit lower at the moment because I'm in I don't know luthier phases and
0: is there a specific app that you kind of recommend or you use yourself for for cycle tracking
1: um there's a lot out there I personally just use a very basic one, which is Apple Health. Uh, cool. It's probably not the best because it doesn't show like that much of an inside, But I just kind of do it in my head. Uh, but I know that Flow and Clue are quite good. And Natural Cycle, you yeah. can uh, even sync it to your Aura Ring if you have that. So yeah, there's a lot out there.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, and then what are some of those things that you might kind of change around your cycle? Like what do you? What kind of fluctuations do you notice across the month?
1: For me, it's very much like energy levels and cravings. <laughs> Those are the big two things. Um, I usually am a quite energetic person. I really like to, to bounce around off of people but and, and also socialise. But, for example, um, in my luteal phase, so just before my period, I do tend to know when my period is coming up just because mm-hmm. of my cravings and also because I just want to stay at home and just slow down and, and just kind of focus on myself, have a bit of more me time. And then, yeah, kind of that's how I
0: yeah amazing so uh, what are some of those changes that you make to like accommodate that like do you kind of maybe look at your social calendar your work your training like what kind of things do you do you change to accommodate for those fluctuations
1: that's exactly what I do so I kind of just look at my meetings or like the networking events that I need to go to and I'm like "Mm, I can probably skip this one I just want to have my own me time because I know that if if I push myself too hard um, it's not going to be good because then I tend to get more, like, period cramps, which is really interesting that I kind of um, realized that, like, that's why I have that because I don't tend to get it as often. I'm quite lucky in that way. Um, but, yeah, so if I push myself a bit too hard and I, I push myself to socialise with people and go out and, for example, go for a run or do a bit more of um, a hit workout, then I will probably get a bit of a worse period cramps and bms syndromes as well
0: yeah wow that's so interesting so you literally notice the quality if, if you want for a better word of your period will be dictated by kind of how hard you push things in that late luteal phase leading up to it
1: exactly yeah
0: wow and that's like on a month by month basis like the following week is different depending on the week before
1: um not necessarily month by month but most of the months yeah
0: yeah that's so interesting isn't it how like the body like adapts and responds like, so quickly exactly and then from um yeah from like a, f- a food standpoint like I know you, you kind of change some of the foods that you eat sometimes around the cycle so talk us through that like what does kind of some of those monthly changes look like for you from a nutrition standpoint
1: um during my menstrual cycle I try to eat a lot of stuff that is very like I used to be vegetarian so now it's it's really hard to like still go back onto it but I wasn't as careful with my nutrition then uh, because obviously, when you start working, going to uni, it really does catch up to you, and you just um, get like forget about what you actually eat and how you eat it. So now I'm trying to get better at it as well. Um, but mainly during my menstrual phase, I try to eat a lot of iron-rich things. So I eat a lot of um, like, for example, lentils, or just make sure that my vitamin D levels are supplemented for if I don't get enough sun, or vitamin um, C and also, a lot of iron. I think that's main, mainly that I, I'd really look out for is the iron levels.
0: Okay, cool. And
1: then um, during my luteal phase, for example, when I have a lot of cravings, I tend to eat a lot of dates and <laughs> dark <Okay>. chocolate <laughs> because it's just very comforting. And, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, um, elaborate on like some of those if that's okay. Like, talk us through like why the iron, why the C.
1: So, during your menstrual phase, is obviously you're losing blood and you're bleeding. Therefore, it's good to eat more iron and also the vitamin D and I think it's C um, they also do help with menstrual symptoms so they can help you with your cramps and um, afterwards on your in your follicular phase when your um, hormones pick up a little bit more and your hormone levels are changing then obviously that's going to change as well um, and I, I think that there was a study about it as well how your energy intake changes during the menstrual cycle as well so it has been shown that when you're in your luteal phase, like just before your period, you crave more and you do eat more as well. But that's because of um, your uh, resting body. um what is that? Sorry, I'm trying to remember. Do you probably know progesterone is
0: is catabolic, so yeah, it increases your basal body temperature.
1: Yeah, basal body temperature. That's the one. And um, yeah, just like basically the calories that you burn when you don't do anything like that as well. Like it goes up therefore you probably eat more whereas like in your follicular phase for example compared to that is you eat less and then just when you're ovulating you eat uh, even like you're not that hungry Mm. Uh, but it's it's still very important to um eat properly so like then i tend to eat a lot of oats and and a lot lot of fibers as well to keep me going
0: yeah amazing and then from like the training i know you mentioned earlier that yeah, you potentially before weren't exercising from like the healthiest place, like just to burn calories. So, um, yeah, where, where are we up to now with that? Like what's kind of your relationship with exercise? Like how are you training and does that change across the cycle at all?
1: Yes, it does change a lot. Uh, I kind of just wake up and I see how I feel. So if I feel like I have a lot of energy and I couldn't really sleep as well because like I just I felt like I have so much energy to like uh, get rid of, then I, I would do a heat class or go to a boxing class or try to go for a run. Um, whereas like on days when I don't feel up to it as much, I just do something very gentle like stretching or a bit of Pilates or yoga, just taking it very slowly and just listen to what my body needs rather than I need to do this because I planned this. And I do push myself, but not like in the way of I need to do this. It's more just like, okay, let's go. And and even though I feel a bit tired, let's do something. Let's do some movement.
0: Was that hard for you to kind of have that mindset shift around always needing to just push harder?
1: Um, yes, I think so. I would say so because I used to be really, I'm quite a, um, I like to push myself out of my comfort zone as well. And I I always think like if I'm out of my comfort zone then I grow, and I used to be like that with training as well. Like if I if I exercise then that's really good, but like I took it to a, a bit more of an unhealthy way. Like I need to do it, I need to do it. Um, so it was it was hard to, to get back into and find the middle route of like the golden route, yeah. I suppose.
0: Yeah, and I mean obviously yeah you're you're there now which is which is amazing, and I think that you've managed to achieve it at like a relatively young age as well haven't you there's so many you know girls which are, are training like that way into their like late 20s 30s before they start having to listen to their body because they may be a little bit injured or they're tired all the time um so for any girls listening that are kind of like your age and are like still deep in that diet culture of i need to train really really hard all of the time i need to eat low calories like what would you kind of say to to that girl or to yourself like three four years ago
1: first of all don't worry about it as long as you're maintaining a healthy diet it doesn't really matter I suppose how you look like because the media changes all the time like you're never going to be good enough if you look at that um so just just make sure that you listen to your body eat when you're hungry and (laughs) make sure that it's also like healthy like don't you know um get into like the processed food, like just because it's quick or whatever like make sure that you listen to your body and nurture it because it's your temple and um and yeah just exercise as what feels good like don't try to push yourself just to to go for a run because everyone else is doing it just just listen to your body uh find what you like because that also helps with sticking to it um yeah probably that
0: i love that i think that with cycle syncing obviously they're still not kind of like widely used yet. Like more and more women are using apps to track their cycle from maybe a fertility awareness method or just like general body literacy, which is amazing, but it's still not really being done from the perspective of I'm going to change how I train or eat potentially across the month. Um, so what would you say are kind of like the the main trends that you see changing hopefully over the next couple of years or like what are the main barriers to that trend happening in terms of women not really looking at their cycle this way and, and what advice would you give to to someone who wants to start looking at their cycle from the perspective of working with it rather than maybe like working against it?
1: First of all, just get, to, just get to know yourself and I think it's, as we talked about, like it's super frustrating how like people don't necessarily know about it. Like I don't know about other people's education but I didn't really hear about this until I started looking into it and I feel like it's changing now which is amazing but it like people should be educated on it like it's so basic to know what your body's going through every month and and understanding and I know that there's a lot of stigma around it but just look into that and and get to know yourself as well because obviously it's, it's different for everyone um what was the other question sorry
0: (laughs) (laughs) just I um do you see there being like any barriers for for this trend continuing to improve in terms of more women wanting to like learn more around their body
1: Mm, I think I'm not so sure about that anymore to be honest I mean obviously there's a stigma around it still. I think um just in general um people not really willing willing to talk about like what they're going through and like they pushing it down is like oh I have period cramps but it's normal whereas like you know you might have peak or so endometriosis if it's like hurting you that bad and you can't do something properly so maybe check that out but like people are not really looking into it because they think it's normal so that might be the the biggest um the biggest challenge to overcome I suppose to like people realize that like yeah no you need to just just look out for your symptoms and actually do something about it if that's so and and just desigmatizing the whole topic
0: yeah perfect I mean I, I would be like just selfishly quite interested to learn a little bit more around why like certain drugs aren't tested in women um especially ones that like are for women <laughs> like that still kind of blows my mind like I don't know if from your own kind of like research and academia like that's a topic you could spend a few minutes on
1: I mean I'm not personally quite sure about why that is um i think it's just because like when obviously drugs were tested it was so early on like it was like 20 years ago or like 30 30 years ago whatever and then people weren't really looking at women body because i feel like they weren't necessary like you know the equality of like it wasn't really that I yeah okay.
0: um yeah cool. i was like
1: curious about like say when you have obviously your female clients mm. What sort of um, like changes do you do for them like during the month? Like wh- how does that actually work?
0: Yeah, so quite a lot really, depending on the person. So I'll typically use wild.ai, if you've heard of that app, obviously would have done from FemTech Labs. Um from, from like a tracking standpoint. So that's like what kind of gives us that data. Before that I was using either Clue or Flow. They would have to send me print screens if so there isn't a coach's dashboard. And I would also just have a I've got a Google Excel spreadsheet. And then basically the top column on my spreadsheet is like, are you menstruating? Um, And they'll tick like either yes or no on the drop down to that. And then like what date they are in their cycle. And then it will be body temperature. And then there's a few subsections. So there's kind of like... their targets and their goals that they might have so for example like their protein target or their like fruits and vegetables or like whatever the water target sleep and then it's like um, a health metric section and not every client like tracks all of these it depends on on the individual and what their goals are and if they're a bit more data driven or if maybe they don't have a healthy relationship with data because obviously some women like don't but the options there are yeah body temperature blood pressure fasting blood sugar heart rate variability and heart rate and again, they might enter all of those they might enter like none, and then it's like subjective, so it's like how do you feel performance sleep mood um willingness to train cravings hunger um did you wake up in the night? Have you passed stalls once a day uh were those stalls are healthy three to four on the Bristol stall chart? Did you notice any bloating and I think there's maybe still a question or two that I'm not thinking of so that, for me, kind of gives me all the data in terms of like where they're at in the cycle, subjectively how they feel, like some, um, some non-subjective health markers, so like the blood pressure, et cetera, what their body's doing as a result of that. So like, are you passing stools? Are your stools healthy? Um, are you bloated? Are you waking up in the night to go to the toilet? And then that gives me like a pretty complete picture of kind of like where they're at in the cycle, what that's causing or what they're doing and if that's affecting their cycle so that's kind of like the data that we'll track on a daily basis and then in terms of like putting that into their training sessions I'll always try and look at that like before a female client turns up to train if they're doing in-person sessions if they're not doing in-person sessions it's a little bit different but if we're talking about like in person I'll look at that and be like just to get so I know like what version of you is turning up to your session basically and obviously over time I've had some of my female clients since I was 18 so like I mean, I lived in Thailand for a few years of that, but that's essentially nine years like on and off, which is quite a long time. So you get to like learn like what couple of variations of that person are gonna like turn up if there's someone that's gonna be like, that sounds horrible, I wanna do that. Or someone that's gonna be like, I don't have that in me today. You kind of like, you can kind of tell those patterns, right? So I probably know those patterns in some of my female clients better than they notice it in themselves, but I'll still try and look at that sheet before they turn up and train so that I know like what day they're at, Um, you know if their sleep's been good for a couple days leading up to it all of those things because obviously as you like correctly said earlier hormones are only like one of the things that influence how someone feels so I also want to look at like their stress their sleep and those other things that would influence how they feel and their energy levels and how hard they might be able to train Um, so that's the first thing then the second thing is I just ask because obviously that data might say one thing but then you might ask them and they're like actually I feel really shit and I'm like oh like your sheet says otherwise, so that's good to know. So I never just assume. I'll always like ask and be like, yeah, you know, how do you how do you feel? Um, and then depending on if they have or haven't filled that sheet in like too accurately the last couple of days, I might specifically ask them some of those questions. So like a lot of my clients are now like perimenopausal. They're kind of like at that 40 to 45 mark. They're like just starting to notice some symptoms there. So I'll be like, did you wake up in the night? Like, are you sweating a lot? Are you hydrated? Like, how's your body temperature? Um. Because those things are going to influence like depending on the, the temperature as well, like, you know, um, of the day that I'm training them, that might influence how much I let them get their heart rate up. So I'll often have like their their main training program, but then I might have like a couple of what I call like plan B or like backup workouts. So for example, if their workout is normally maybe like some strength work and then maybe some like hypertrophy, muscular endurance work, and then maybe a bit of cardio or conditioning on the end then if they're like yeah I've woke up in the night um, I'm sweating a fair bit I feel a little bit warm I'm like cool did you drink like lots of electrolytes this morning to make up for that they'll be like no I've been really busy like running around with the kids then I'm probably I'm not going to do the workout that's like laid out for them so the strength work would probably be fine to keep the same the you know muscular endurance slightly higher rep work maybe maybe not like depends on how like their energy levels feel, how like dehydrated they are. Um, And then the conditioning work, I probably wouldn't like jack their body temperature and their heart rate up and get them sweating more. So then that might just turn into like more mobility work or more like gentle, like activation exercises. I use that term loosely because any exercise activates a muscle, obviously. Um, Yeah, like, um, but what I would mean by that is maybe those like smaller muscles that they're not as much energy to like train, like not big compound, not big compound lifts. Like they might be doing some work for maybe they're like rotator cuffs or their, like, hips, if they feel a little bit tight there, or if they get a tight lower back, we might be doing some activation exercises or some mobility exercises for for that. So, um, you know, still weight training, but not necessarily your big, heavy, you know, hard compound compound lifts, but still beneficial for how they feel and how they move. So, yeah, it's just about, like, auto auto-regulating it, basically. But it all starts with, like, a little bit of data collection, and then double-check and ask, like, when they turn up, just, like, see how they feel. And then, yeah, change the session a little bit as, as needed. One thing you, I notice quite a lot is like coordination can fluctuate a lot. Oh,
1: that's so, interesting. Yeah. Why so, do
0: you think that is? So in the um, luteal phase, like when, when estrogen is lower, so like mm-hmm. in particular the late luteal phase, like yeah. lower estrogen levels seem to be co- um, yeah, coordinated, correlated with like maybe slightly worse co- uh, coordination. And I see that a bit. So I don't really have many clients doing like Olympic lifting, like with a barbell. Um, because yeah I just I don't but they will sometimes do like dumbbell or kettlebell variations of those so you know they might be in like a conditioning circuit and maybe there's like dumbbell snatch right or dumbbell clean and press Um, or maybe there's like some jumping variations like sometimes or what other exercises require coordination even for some people just like squats and deadlifts if they're a more beginner lifter there's a lot of coordination required to do a squat so those sometimes you'll see actually be a little bit worse in the um in the late luteal phase and then it's obviously when someone's turning up to train right it's about like setting them up to win like giving them an enjoyable experience so you don't really want to force them into an exercise that they're going to like really struggle with especially if they're more of a beginner and they're like a bit intimidated um, and don't feel as confident in the gym so if I'm noticing that there is like a difference in their coordination across the month i would probably then swap those exercises out for ones that just require less coordination basically so that the limiting factor becomes your work rate rather than your ability to do the movement because if the reason that you're failing on a squat or you're failing on like a clean is because of just being able to coordinate that like pattern of muscles moving, um then one that's a bit frustrating and two that's your limiting factor that's what's stopping us working hard as opposed to it just being difficult so then you're going to swap those exercises so the squat might become a hack squat in a machine or a leg press machine um you know the dumbbell cleaning press might become like battle ropes or a slam ball something that's still kind of getting the same systematic full body moving effect but without the more advanced like coordination pattern required so yeah as like energy and strength are quite like general terms and it's quite obvious like how you would change a session based on those probably um so that's why i kind of didn't really go into that but yeah the two of the other ones that you might see are more like body temperature and like sweating and hydration so that's going to change like how high you jack heart rate and how much you maybe get a client sweating more um and coordination can change a fair bit so yeah there's like two kind of examples that we might we might change
1: so do you actually like in terms of so we, we mentioned about the um the exercises and how it's like different for like how people might feel during their menstrual cycle do you actually see that in real life like with like loads of your clients like do you see a pattern
0: yeah yeah this is why like I find um this is why like yeah I think I sent you a couple posts on Instagram and they're like great doctors like great researchers PhDs in exercise physiology right like that you know they're, they're they're not wrong when they say cycle syncing is BS but I'm like also kind of are wrong because when you look at a study, right, you're going to know way better than me how to look at research and you look at the abstract, there's always going to be outliers on that bell curve. And the abstract, you know, the conclusions kind of drawn based on those averages. Um, and yeah, like as, as you've said, there's, you know, two big reasons why cycle syncing is not something you can kind of make blanket recommendations for, or the individuality of the cycle being a big one. But I think that saying it's BS is just as empowering as saying, don't ever lift weights in your late luteal phase just do yoga and it's like that's probably also a bit disempowering because it really depends on the person exactly but each of those are equally disempowering and the truth kind of lies somewhere in the middle and the fitness industry does a really great job of doing a shit job of polarizing things (laughs) um it's just it's just yeah good for that you know it's it's a low barrier to entry for a lot of people and the type of content that does well is quite controversial Mm. um so the fitness industry breeds unfortunately like a lack of context and a lack of nuance and that means that there's a lot of people doing posts where it's like your cycles like the moon and you should only do yoga and I'm just like oh that's so cringy <laughs> and then it's like then you also get people that are like the says cycle syncing's bs and it's like yeah the research is technically not incorrect in terms of saying that but that's also quite quite disempowering but obviously yeah like I work with very average everyday women so to speak so you know it isn't always like um it isn't always like fairly black and white it isn't always like the same days in the cycle you see the same things because again as we've said but I can't hammer home that point enough there's other things that will influence how you feel other than your hormones so if you're late luteal phase in theory is when you have the worst energy but the three weeks leading up to that were really stressful you slept shit work was awful and all of that just happened to go away on day 22 for example day 22 to Whenever your period starts, yeah, you're in the lowest hormonal state. But actually, relative to the last three weeks, you might be like, "I feel so much better" because all of these other things that influence your performance, your energy, your mood, your cravings might actually, um, yeah, might actually, you know, have have not be relevant anymore. That that might have stopped happening to you. So people kind of look at it through this very narrow lens, don't they, of like menstrual cycle, ovarian hormones? But it's like, well, what other things influence those other than the cycle itself? And there's lots. And then those things also without going through the ovarian hormones those things also influence your performance and energy over here which is super important for people to look at so it's not like robotic like your day this we need to do that because there's other there's always other things to take into account um but yeah i think that obviously it's a relatively small sample size because i'm a one-on-one you know PT which means you can never work with that many people so it's a relatively small sample size but out of the nine years I've been coaching I would say I've been talking to my clients about the menstrual cycle for probably six and in that time everyone really likes knowing that they can be like hey i um, you know it's, it's not even about how hard you train someone necessarily like one, one great example is like if you're bloated or you've got period pain you might change your exercise selection So imagine if you didn't know this, or you're like, I've got to follow my program, or I can't tell my PT about this, and your workout happens to have hip thrusts and box jumps, like, that's going to fucking hurt.
1: Exactly. And then
0: you're going to do it because you're like, oh, cycle syncing is BS. Or you might not have even heard of cycle syncing, right? But for a variety of reasons, you might just do it. like, I've got to follow the program.
1: You just push yourself too hard.
0: Yeah, exactly. And not only... Not only too hard, but just doing exercises that maybe don't serve you. Like you might be like, I've got energy, yeah. like I'm happy to train hard, but like it physically hurts to jump and land. It physically hurts to have a bar across my like my, my mm-hmm. womb because I've like got period pain and I'm bloated. So it's like, why would you pick those exercises if it causes pain? It's not like good pain. It's not muscular pain. Like you wouldn't, you sh- you shouldn't do that, right? So, but the other problem with the fitness industry is that the fitness industry predominantly evolved out of like the bodybuilding industry like that was the same thing not that long ago really right so when I first started in the fitness industry at 18 all of the people that were like the fitness industry people they were men's physique people and they were bikini competitors and then that is subsequently who was coaching really everyone and whether those people were competing or not if they were coaches that's also how they train their clients so there was this big trickle-down effect from like your average woman, your average guy in the gym that just wants to be a little bit leaner, you know, wants to feel better, lift some weights, they're getting coached by essentially bodybuilders or they're getting coached by people who are being coached by bodybuilders. So it's like you've got your average woman that's being told you've got to follow the plan, it's discipline, like you've got to eat five times a day because that's better for your metabolism, which is just obviously not correct, you know, and it's chicken and rice and you're eating out of tubs and if you don't take a tub with you to your family dinner, On a Wednesday night at a restaurant and eat your own food, then you don't want it enough. Like that's genuinely the message that was being like told to people. I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's kind of wild looking back on it. And the fitness industry has evolved massively, which is amazing, because it's now like it's also the health industry and it's also like functional fitness. And again, I use that term loosely. It's not just the it's not the same thing as the bodybuilding world anymore necessarily, but it still does take a lot from that. And I think there's a consumer responsibility. You need to be like uh, me as a consumer i need to have the awareness of realizing i don't want to be a bodybuilder i'm not prepared to sacrifice that much so i probably shouldn't work with a coach who's a bodybuilder and again just for like the definition by bodybuilder i don't necessarily mean like absolutely massive and on steroids like if you do men's physique if you're a bikini girl then you are a bodybuilder by by definition that's what we mean by the word so but like a lot of people think i want to look like that person but they just don't realize the drugs the nutrition they don't realize the dedication and subsequently that's the type of coach that they go and, and hire and then that's the exact type of coach that one doesn't really understand anything about the menstrual cycle and female health and two will just obviously get told you know if you don't follow the, the plan like it's all about the plan you gotta follow it to the t then you don't want it enough and you know when you check in your coach will kind of be a bit shitty with you on your weekly check-in like you didn't do this and do that and that's like bred this culture of I can't tell my coach about these things. I i can't adjust the programme. I've got to stay consistent across the month. And it's like the it's two...
1: super strict and you can't even change it. Yeah, right?
0: it's just, just yeah. obviously ridiculous. And the two most o- obvious things are like, yeah, if you have you know period pain or whatever or you know you're, you're you're postnatal and like you've got a little bit of leakage like these things happen but no one wants to have that conversation like there's certain exercises that you just probably aren't going to be right for you um either at certain points in the cycle or forever and it doesn't make you less of an, an athlete it doesn't make you less of a person you you know by not doing those but if the if you don't know that you can tell that to your coach and your coach doesn't have a clue about this then he's just pushing you doing exercises that don't feel good and the other most obvious example is as she said like metabolism does increase in the luteal phase progesterone is catabolic it breaks down tissue right you get an increase in in progesterone because that's what happens at ovulation the corpus luteum produces progesterone and that's around 10 to 15 percent of bmr which is like you know if someone's bmr is 1400 calories that's maybe another 200 calories which is a lot so Because like no coach really understands this, your calorie intake stays the same across the month. And it's like, well, to maintain the exact same percentage deficit in the luteal phase, you should have one to 200 calories more. Otherwise you're in a one to 200 calorie greater deficit, which sounds cool if you've got a fat loss goal, right? But if it only increases your hunger and cravings and you subsequently can't stick with the plan, then it's not actually beneficial at all to be in a larger deficit and you should up your calories. Because upping them actually means you're in the same percentage deficit month round. So you'll have all these coaches that will be like, "Yeah, we've calculated your deficits. This number, you've got to hit this number. It's a you know, twenty percent deficit or whatever." And it's like, if you don't know that your client has a cycle, because not every client does, um, and you don't know that this happens, then actually they're not in a twenty percent deficit. They're in a twenty percent deficit half of the month, yeah. and the other half it's probably it's probably thirty percent, which is like so simple that it should just be the standard not up for debate like that that's taking into account um, and it just isn't in the in the fitness industry which is why you're kind of getting these girls with like potentially worse coordination like that could just be an energy thing as well so it's like you're already maybe sleeping a little bit worse in the late luteal phase like can't fall asleep maybe it's easily maybe waking up in the night more because of the lower hormonal state. So you're not producing as much melatonin. Um, yeah, coordinations may be impacted a little bit anyway. Then you're in a bigger deficit. If you are in a deficit, if you've got a weightless goal, you're in a bigger deficit. You're not eating to replace that. Like, obviously that's going to be a little bit of a shit show. Um, but there's so many things you can do to to kind of cancel that out. And I feel like because some women do, they're like cycle BS. I feel pretty consistent month round. And it's like, yeah, because you're upping your calories in your luteal phase, you're doing all of these like kind of interventions or things, maybe intuitively, of maybe out even realizing that you're doing them, but you're doing them to, um, to kind of like match your cycle already, and therefore you don't notice these big fluctuations, or you might just be someone that doesn't really notice fluctuations because that's that happens too, but then you're telling people that do notice big fluctuations that it's kind of BS, which is yeah probably quite disempowering. So exactly,
1: um, I feel yeah. like it's definitely it might not be for everyone. But for some people, it is definitely helpful. Like, I th- I kind of look at it in a way of, like, just kind of knowing yourself more and getting to know your body more and just looking at ways of nurturing it and just looking after yourself. I kind of just look at it in that way. And it really does help to, to know where you are in your cycle and what phase you're in. And whether, like, for example, if I don't want to socialize, like, it's actually okay because sometimes i don't want to just because of like i'm getting ready for my menstruation menstrual phase or whatever.
0: yeah i saw someone talk about um which probably isn't really research on this but it kind of made sense and they were talking about how like if for a few days leading up to your period you don't feel like being social that probably makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day you are about to shed a part of your organ exactly um which is quite like a private experience and i was like that makes a lot of sense
1: And it kind of gets you like nesting a bit and you just want to stay at home, just kettle up on the sofa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like that to me, again, I don't have a right to have an opinion on it, right? Because it's not relevant for me. But that to me sounds like something that would be a bit of an empowering message, especially in a world which is like hustle, you know, work harder always be doing more activities so you can post on instagram about how great your life is like in a world which kind of pushes that that to me sounds like quite an empowering message it's not saying like you can't weight train or you can't do those things it's just saying if you don't want to it's okay and there's a reason for that
1: yeah and just have your own time it's okay to you know not wanting to do and do stuff like for example london as well i feel like sometimes i get fomo if i don't do something and i just have to remember like no this is okay and i need to have my own time to then afterwards regenerate and like just go out again with more energy and and feeling okay again i just need to have my own little time and and yeah Yeah, just nurture myself (laughs)
0: I feel like London's not a particularly healthy place for a menstrual cycle, is it? It's just, like, hectic, long days, lots of alcohol, stress. Exactly, and
1: just go, go, go. Like, you're always on the go. You always um, walk really fast, and you're always in a fast-paced environment. And I I don't know about you, but, like, I really feel FOMO when I don't go out, for example, to do networking events or just, like, any sort of events. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I miss? But, like, at the end of the day, I didn't miss anything.
0: no. Do you feel that FOMO from like a personal life standpoint or more of a professional career development standpoint? I
1: think it's both.
0: Okay. It's interesting. It's
1: both because when you go to like, for example, networking events, you get to learn um, from people and also from people's experience. And you also never know who you meet. So you might just, you know, there's an opportunity there or just a great conversation that then starts the, the ball rolling and, no, I feel like that's kind of how I got into menstrual cycle as well and like mm. getting to know it more is and women's health is because I had those conversations and I went out to networking events so like if I miss something I'm always like, oh what did I actually miss? Yeah. Like it's not just the event, it's more like the people and what you can learn from them, I suppose. But then at the end of the day like there's always another one. There's so many every single day. So you're going to meet those people regardless like whenever
0: yeah you got to look at it like obviously there's always a cost attached right so you might have yeah. learned something but mm. what does that cost you if you force yourself to be there the impact on your health like maybe then the end of the week you're like oh, I've got even less energy
1: exactly um,
0: it took me like a long time to to get get all right at that there's since doing this which has obviously been quite hectic for a few years now I like worked to the point of like not being able to get out of bed for three to four days at a time a few mm. times and then i'm just like why do i keep working to this point like i've yeah. got quite good at knowing like knowing when there's like it'll be the day before and i'll be like i'm, I'm back to like i need to cancel something tomorrow like yeah. i'll know the day before now so like i'm quite in tune with it and it's like is that increase in intensity worth it if there's then like three or four days where i'm doing nothing like probably not you're probably better exactly. off just like skipping the occasional thing like like holding back, like I don't really do anything Friday nights now. I used to always do something Friday nights with my friends. And then it would just ruin me for the whole weekend. So I've had such a long week. Every day is like five AM to like nine PM. And then you have that FOMO, but I was like, the irony is, okay, yeah, you missed that event that I'm skipping out on, but by missing that one it means I don't miss the next three. Exactly. And then that was kind of how I made like logical sense of it in my more analytical brain was I was just yeah. like, yeah, I've got to miss that one. Missing that one means I'm recovered, which means then I don't need to spend three or four days in bed. Because I missed like some really like big, core, cool, important stuff, like friends' birthdays and stuff. And then I was just like, yeah, I need to manage my own energy so much better here because ultimately it's like I'm choosing things when I don't feel like going because of FOMO, which then means I'm missing out on things that I do want to go to because I'm too exhausted to like get out of bed. No, exactly.
1: I feel like it's super hard to find that golden path of like, managing your time and energy properly, but it is super important. And I feel like especially in a big city, people don't really talk about it that much, because they just want you to work a lot. And (laughs) they just want you to go to events and then party, especially if you're young, I feel like there's a lot of like stigma around it, like, you're in your 20s, you need to go and enjoy and, and go and party and have fun. And like yeah. sometimes I'm like, I don't want to. Yeah. And then people would. I enjoy pay.
0: Netflix. I'm having a good time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm so good on my own, like at home cooking on a Friday night. It's so good. <laughs>
0: yeah, I love that. I think it's cool that, um yeah, it's cool you have realized that. At, I don't mean it to sound patronizing because like we're pretty much the same age, but it's really cool that you've realized that at your age because I see that in so many of my female clients who are like in their 30s, early 30s. And it's like, they've got a lot of health symptoms as a result of it. You know, they do have bad PMS, they have painful periods. Yeah. And part of it is that that life that they're living. Some of them are commuting to London, some of them aren't. But it is that like career driven, corporate life, social life. And it's, it, they're almost, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Because it's almost become empowering to be like, women can do it all. And I'm like, that's great, like completely agree. But ironically, in the pursuit of that, for some women, they're actually affecting their health because it is just like go 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 I can't do it or I'm gonna juggle it or I'm gonna have it all and I'm like that's amazing but also this is giving you some health issues so
1: exactly yeah I feel like it, it might be a bit controversial but I feel like this whole work environment was made for men as well because obviously the testosterone levels and like the hormone cycles mm. and everything for men is completely different than for women and because of this a lot of women feel like oh I need to push myself and like for example, as he said as well, like being in a very stressful environment. When you're in your period and you're shedding, and you're meant to like, you know, have this like private experience and an environment that you like just like allow yourself to slow down. But because of this environment that was made for men, essentially to to work, work, work and go, 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 um, women might not be able to keep up with it sometimes, and it's okay. Um, but I don't know. It might be a bit controversial yeah. to say this. I, I don't think so. Because, there's, yeah,
0: there's a great book on that, isn't there? I don't remember, do you remember the name? I don't remember the name of that book. I Not think sure. it was literally it was literally called like a man's world or something. And oh, the whole I don't know. the whole book was like the office temperature is like based on everything being is men, based on the work. Yeah, yeah. um, l- loads of things that you never would have thought of. I don't remember the name of the book, but we'll get it for the get it. Even for the, the, show the working notes. hours are
1: yeah, and everything
0: yes we have that consistent biology all day every day so yeah yeah do you ever think that the working landscape will kind of be like slightly related to the menstrual cycle I mean I guess you with if you work flexibly remotely you can probably do that a bit yourself anyway but do you think it will ever be like a little bit more of like an accepted thing where a woman's working um life kind of has like a bit of a monthly average to it rather than it being the same every day
1: I think it's getting there. It's going to be a long process because obviously this work in, like this is a l- big change and to make this big change is going to have to happen in like small steps because nothing can happen from one day to the other. Mm. But I think it will get there because the um, like people are becoming more aware of this sort of things like the, the gender gap and then there is a difference and like especially for women founders as well, like CEOs, there's we see more and more, which is amazing. And they understand this as well. I hope so, anyway. And so they can make a change yeah. too for um for this. And because of the awareness as well, like people are becoming more aware. So hopefully, we will change over time. But it, it's not gonna happen one day to the other.
0: No. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Amazing. No, I think it's it's it is exciting because it's not a conversation that at least I didn't hear it happening like three to five years ago. Maybe I just wasn't in the right places in the right rooms, but it's a conversation I'm seeing a lot now, which is partly exactly. reflective of the, the world that you're in, but it's, you know, it's in the news, it's in places that are kind of like mainstream, which is obviously really exciting to see.
1: Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of exciting exciting changes going on, which is, it's really good to be involved in this.
0: Yeah, I bet, yeah, you're doing really rewarding work. So um, is there anything else about cycle syncing specifically or anything else that you feel like you want to kind of just go over um, to bring today's episode to a, to a close?
1: I just wanted to mention a book that really helped me to understand that it's okay to slow down. Um, and I recently read it and it's called Period Power. And it's really much just about cycle syncing and how it can benefit you. Um, but I just take it in a, in a way of, you know, it's, it's okay to slow down. And to there's a lot of good um, advices as well to how to nurture yourself. So I suppose it's, it's quite good to mention that book. Yeah. For everyone to read, I think. Who's the
0: the author, if you remember? Maisie Hill. Perfect, thank you. Where can people find out more about uh, your work and what you're up to and follow you if they're interested in learning more from you?
1: On LinkedIn. I use that for professional things, so yeah, on my LinkedIn.
0: And what what is is your LinkedIn?
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, It's just my name, so it's Kinga Pup
0: cool perfect we'll make sure that the, the links in the show notes so thank you so much for coming on today and talking about cycle syncing i really appreciate your time and i'm sure we'll get lots of questions from that so if that's all right with you i might be firing over any of the, the questions that i get from this episode in your Box.
1: yeah yes please do and thank you so much for inviting me again it was a pleasure
0: amazing you're so welcome thank you for coming on if you've enjoyed today's episode it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favor and leave us a review and even if possible a comment The reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future. Thank you so much so far for all of your support on the Women's Wellness Show.